The following is a KPB MediaWorks production. Choose your fighter. All right, we are back with another episode of KPB Cast. This is KPB Rodimus Prime. I am once again filling in for Positively Ralph, aka KPB Raphael. Uh, he's on leave right now. He's becoming a parent, so we want to congratulate him. And uh, I'm just here to fill his shoes until he returns. <laughs> yes. What an and, interesting uh, world to have a, a child in. I know, I know, I know. That is the voice of the one Brian Stone, aka Cha Cha, straight out of the Buffalo, New York region. So, Cha Cha, how you doing today? Doing well. How are you guys feeling? Everything going good? Oh, we are, we are good. Yeah, man. It, you know, as much as we can do around here, considering everything that's happening, you know, we're, we're around. We're, we're thriving somehow. So, but I want to thank you definitely for coming out and taking the time to spend with us. And let's, I want to, I want to get into who are you? Uh, a bit of your upbringing. Like where, you know, where do we start with you? Uh, I start way back. It's like kind of like FGC lore that nobody knows my real age, but uh, I was uh, an arcade rat, and I was like very into hanging around arcades all the time. I don't know. I know Rod, you used to live in Buffalo, so I yeah. don't know if you lived here in the nineties. No, I had a brief like year and a half like I lived here. Okay, and uh, yeah, in the nineties. Buffalo had a number of arcades. I'm sure it didn't have as many arcades as a lot of cities, but it had like six or seven, and I would like make a circuit out of those. So that that's really where my passion for fighting games and like competing in games really came from. That was where, where it was fostered. That well, sounds good. Sounds good. What what was the first fighting game you touched that you could say changed your life towards this path? <sighs> yeah, I mean, I, I played fighting games at friends' houses in the Super NES era, and I'd play them occasionally at, at arcades and not really care about them. I was, I was more into like the platforming and adventure games uh, when I was really young. But um, I'd say the first fighting game that like, really took a hold of me was either uh, Tekken 2 or um, X-Men Children of the Atom, I'd say mm. Like the the sprite the sprites in that game like blew my mind because I didn't really have a grasp on like what anime was nobody did back then right and like the artwork for the X Men in that game especially Psylocke oh my god I was like uh, <laughs> I couldn't believe it yeah Psylocke is definitely very well animated in that game um her sprites uh, but yeah that's an interesting game you know usually when people talk about their first fighters she fighter two or she fighter series is always yeah in the I mix. played those but I just didn't really care about them right. Uh, but uh, yeah, like Tekken Two was the first game that I cared about winning. What? Okay, so what made what made Tekken stand out for you? Because we know why X Men is an X Men property. We love X Men characters going up. Who doesn't like mutants in the comics? Correct. Yeah, I grew and, up on the cartoons and the comics. I right. super and, and when they borrowed what a lot of the same voices from like the cartoons back then. So yep. it was like especially Wolverine. I mean, yeah. iconic. Yeah. It was a clear transition. It was like, why not? Why not love this game? Not with Tekken. What, what was that for you? Uh, Tekken just it, it looked so beautiful and it, like the arcade that I happened to frequent the most the one closest to my house had these giant speakers hooked up to it so mm-hmm. I could hear the stage music in the arcade clearly which was a rarity because in the arcade if nope. you remember it's just like chaos like you yeah. couldn't hear anything yeah. um, but uh, 
yeah so i could hear the music clearly and the echoes after the characters got knocked out like the aesthetic for tekken mm -hmm. and and right after that soul blade came out as well and like both of those games um the whole like music 3d being like this new burgeoning gameplay thing and it looking so crisp on the arcade monitors like i, I really got into that and um it just happened to be at a point where i was like really starting to understand games by, beyond mashing and just like believing that they were luck based you know how kids do like yeah i don't know if, if back especially back in the 90s where, where things weren't as well known as they are now um we didn't have the internet and wiki and all that stuff to, to look game facts to look up stuff so like kids just held these beliefs and these beliefs like took took place across neighborhoods and communities and stuff like that <laughs> yeah. of just word of mouth stuff and like people believed in like, the most ridiculous stuff and oh yeah back then we all believe like skills at video games were not real and like you know everybody was just lucky or magical or something like that and um so that's I kid was uh, learning yeah, uh... for, for whatever reason like <laughs> virtual fighter i never i never took the virtual fighter it was just okay. like too it was too technical was, for its time it, it, it was stiff too it felt yeah. like really stiff to me because the input timing was so stringent mm -hmm. tekken 2 was kind of like more loose like the 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 hit stun on the, yeah. on the moves like when Kazuya would gut punch or like hey hot you electric like you could feel the weight of the characters right and i like really really took that took that 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 took hold with me and i i just like really liked it and doing king's chain throws there was nothing like that in a fighting game before so right. that was awesome but was... yeah stuff like that i just started caring about it and, uh yeah I, I just got addicted to fighting games after after tekken 2 that is definitely the appeal of tekken like a lot of the systems that it introduced into fighting games um, real quick, uh, original or arranged soundtrack, particularly Tekken 2. I mean, I love both of them. Uh, arranged, obviously, takes more like listening to the actual music into account. So mm -hmm. arranged is generally better. But uh, I mean, I, I still rock out to the original stuff, too. Yes, definitely. Do you change the options in, in the Tekken 7 to like, uh, you know, have like one game set of music? Because I do it. Like whenever I turn on Tekken oh, yeah. 7. Oh, yeah. Every yeah. every Tekken where like Tekken tunes is available, like I change the stage music to all kinds of like classic Tekken 1, 2, 3 soundtracks because those, those are my favorite. Definitely. definitely. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit to where I want to be, but as I point it out real quick, in one of your tournaments, I loved you had the Tekken roulette. That yeah, was like yeah. a really fun time. Like what, what made you think of that concept? Oh, it's just something that, like I wanted to do that for a bunch of games, but logistically it's so hard. Like, it's yeah. so hard to have enough consoles at a major tournament to run all the games on original hardware. So we tried to take shortcuts because I was like, well, I have classic PS3s available to me. We can play PS1, 2, 3 games uh, all on the same console. But we, we ran into difficulties like um, uh, the digital analog didn't work in Tekken 2. Mm -hmm. And we had to turn like like the controllers had like some kind of weird latency input issue. So. It didn't go perfectly, but I just always wanted to like have those because like you always have those people in the community, right, who talk shit about the current game and say, "Man, you should have seen me back in Tekken Three. I was unstoppable." Or, man, <laughs> Tekken Tag One were the days, man. You, you Tekken guys don't even know how to play anymore. Like we're we're the real ones. So I was like, no. we need all of those guys in one tournament to see <laughs> like who's the best overall at the game of Tekken. All right, that's and it proved to be a Spiro. That's a good game. Oh, yeah, Spirit won that time. Yes, that was pretty fun uh, to watch that. So let me remove you from the FGC for a second. Who is Brian Stone? What, what is he like when you remove the fighting games away from him for a second? 
Um, if you remove being a fighting game personality and organizer from me, I am very much into watching bad movies. Like yes, really I bad know movies. Um, <laughs> like I we I just love like seeing movies that like you could tell the director had such vision and ambition for and just didn't have the budget or the actors <laughs> or the, the crew to execute anything close to what they wanted and like just all the suffering that comes from that like i just find like a i don't know a certain comedy in, in, in bad movies Dude, and, you're, uh, you're probably the only guy i know that has like every like poorly nigerian produced movie <laughs> like uh, dude, the, I got I got a personal media server that's like uh, burgeoning on 22 terabytes, and it's almost all just bad movies. That's <laughs> so awesome, man! It's cool. It's like such a great hobby. But um, I, I'm really into that. Um, I'm married. I, I spend a lot of time with my wife. Uh, we, we've recently um, engaged in taking more trips to just like see nature and, and stuff nice. like that. So I enjoy hiking. I don't get to do it as much as I, I want to, but hopefully. It, you know, later now that I move into the next stage of my life, and after COVID, like you know, everybody got to reevaluate their stuff. So I'm, I yeah. plan on doing a lot more hiking. Um, I used to be in the video game collecting. I've recently just gotten out of that racket. The stuff's just gotten too out of hand. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's that's a good segue. Let's talk about your background, man. What's going on back there? It's just uh, well, behind me, I've got every single. Uh, xbox game original xbox game ever made and then a whole bunch of ps2 games and nice and and I, stuff, I know this room is all the way around my room yeah it's way bigger than that by the way i've been here it's like pretty awesome library man it's like old, yeah, uh, yeah yeah I, Funko like, Land. I, used have, <laughs> I used to have those fantasies of like building this awesome like video game like man cave or arcade cave or whatever you want to call it they call it something different every decade but um, I just wanted to have this cool place where my friends could come and hang out. We could just play whatever the hell games we wanted. But that feels like a bygone era. Like um, people going over to people's houses probably, well, even before COVID, it just kind of stopped happening. Yeah, um, I can and, see uh, that. Yeah, and, and, and I'm sure that's like area and person specific. But just in my area, um, the FGC also goes in cycles. So all of the older players that were in my scene kind of rotated out and there's a new generation that rotated in and every generation that comes in, like the kids get younger and younger and it's harder for me to connect with on like a personal and friendship level with. So right. I don't have people coming over to the house anymore and like just kind of gave up on that dream, but you just get to see the remnants of it now. So <laughs> it's, it's still a beautiful dream. I, I personally, I'd say don't give it up, but uh, you know, I, I used to have all those arcade cabinets in my basement and now I, I, basically put them at our venue buffalo game space where we we hold our games and people can play them there because there's nobody who's playing them here so nice nice so tell us more about uh bgs like how, how long has that been running what have the some of the trials and tribulations you've had just to keep it going for so long well i wish i could take more credit for buffalo game space itself but it's it's basically a coalition and now a common workspace for all the independent game developers in the Western New York region to come and have a, a cohabitation, so to speak, where they, they could cut, they have a collaborative space. They could rent out desk space and they, they could be around other game developers in the indie scene that are trying to build themselves up as well. And everybody can work on projects together as they see fit or just have a nice space. That's just like, the type of space you want to start developing like games and we have a, a sound booth and a studio and everything for people to work in so it, it's kind of come like this become this co-op workspace um 
that a lot of game developers in the area use. And it's it's kept open purely from donations. So nice. Nice. We're we're probably going to be having like obviously COVID's taken its toll on that that aspiration, so we're probably going to be having a fundraiser later in the year, probably around November for it. So if you have if any links, found, like definitely yeah, share oh, with course, us. Course. Yeah, we'll yeah, definitely post it. Yes, of course. Following me on on social media, of course, uh, everything that goes down in Buffalo gaming wise, I pretty much post about. So nice. We'll make sure that we get everyone gets that information before we leave. Them. Perfect. So Perfect. You can definitely see that. So that being said. Um, are you guys working on a fighting game by any chance? <laughs> the, there was a person working on kind of like, I'd call it like a, a dive kick type like game where it was like okay. very rudimentary. Uh, right, minimalist. Yeah. yeah, and uh, it was based on just like almost like turn-based, like you have to guess what your opponent's going to guess, kind of like a Yomi type, type okay. feature. Right. And uh I have not heard anything about that project in quite some time, so there's nothing major being developed fighting game wise at the studio. Okay. Although there there is a couple of highly successful games that have come out of there recently. So, oh, uh, can Freedom you share? Finger, yeah, Freedom Finger, and then uh, one of our guys, uh, Quasi, um, just got his his game dropped on PSN and Xbox, uh, Shotgun Farmers, and it's had a lot of success. Nice. I don't know if you've heard of it, but uh, Shotgun Farmers. Yeah, gotta look that up some interesting mechanics in it like you shoot these scatter guns and then if you miss the bullets turn into seeds and plant new guns and stuff like that <laughs> that's, that's wild <laughs> shotgun farmers oh, wow okay definitely gotta look up that title awesome. well yeah there's a, a a lot of interesting games have been developed in buffalo ones that you wouldn't expect um but i i don't know who would want me talking about their games and i don't, I don't really have any promos prepared for them so uh <laughs> If you're if you're interested, I could definitely post up some some lists of games of made in Buffalo. Uh, of course, man. That's throw it exactly. at everybody that way. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so we were speaking earlier before we came on, and uh, you said uh, there was uh, a Buffalo scene before college and after college. So can you elaborate a little bit on that? So so you, so you're you're a teen now, right? You're into the into these fighting games. You discovered Tekken. You Correct. discovered uh, the Namco game Soul Calibur. Um, what's next for you? What happens next? So at that point, I, I take the natural progression of the scrub, the story that we've uh, all all heard. I become the best player in the group of my friends. I become the best player in my high school. I become the best player in my community that I could find, which is just like local arcade trolling. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have this this ego built up in me where I, I think that I know more about the games than everybody else. And I want to show that. Okay. And I want to have tournaments to prove that because in my mind, growing up watching the wizard and, and uh, legends of the hidden temple and all the other video game game shows and stuff like that, I was like, you've got to have a contest uh, with a prize in order to prove your supremacy over people. And I, nobody was providing that in my area. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I wanted to get in on an initiative like that. And of course I was a kid still. So like I had all these grandiose dreams of like making things more elaborate and lavish than they <laughs> needed to be. When we just have a tournament to show up, pay $5 and split the pot. Like I always tried to make it more than that, but I'd start, I convinced the owner of one of my local arcades, which is called putt putt. Yeah. It was a miniature golf place to let me start hosting tournaments on Saturdays there and they would all be in fighting games because those are the easiest games uh, to determine 
a victor, right? Like you didn't want to do any score attack things right. or things where people could use exploits or secret codes to bypass things, mm-hmm. which existed in the arcades back then. I don't of course, know yes. People know that. Yes. You can, you can cheat in arcade games. A lot you of cheat. arcade games had built-in cheats. <laughs> a lot. And there's some of them are intentionally built-in. Uh, real quick, I just want to touch on something. You said you mentioned uh, The Wizard. Uh, did you know that that movie is also called uh, Super Mario Bros. 3 Nintendo Direct? <laughs> no, <laughs> as a troll, as a troll. Yeah, I found out the other day. Yeah, that, like just two days ago, as a matter of fact, uh, someone mentioned that. Yeah, that's also known as Super Mario Bros. Three Direct on uh, Nintendo Direct because the game was shown before it actually. Man, got if you go released. back and watch that movie, that movie is so ridiculous and unbelievable, and <laughs> like, kids traveling across the country, like yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so. That movie, like, really just, it came out at a time where I wanted to believe that that was possible. Like, and it, like that always, like, that took hold in my heart. Like, yeah. I wanted to be a video game champion. And I did win um, my regional qualifiers for the Blockbuster World Video Game Tournament. Nice, nice. That was the one that had NBA Jam at the end of it? No. Yeah, NBA Jam, uh, Donkey Kong Country, Teen- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters. And then uh, um, Clay Fighter, uh, yeah, the first Clay. Fighter. Oh, first, yeah, first one, first Clay Fighter. Yes. So such a wide one. Nineties. I had won my local store competition. Then I won the city store competition. Then I mm-hmm. won the regional competition. Mm-hmm. And I went to New York City. First time I ever went to New York City in my life, actually, and lost to a nine-year-old uh, on a tiebreaker. <laughs> On oh, a tiebreaker really? and the game that he was better than me at. I beat him in the fighting games. Um, and they, they had the tiebreaker be a banana collection and on a random stage in Donkey Kong Country, mm-hmm. which he knew vastly better than me. Donkey Kong Country was my worst one. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't practice those levels or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So right. he ended up beating me in a tiebreaker and then uh, he went on to the national championship and I was left in the dust. Oh. I still had that. I, Maybe that's what like gave me that like want that, to just keep going. That fire, like ah, uh, just can't stop too. here. I'm, I must I be never better. got to be a national champion in everything. Oh, you're a champion in our hearts. That's all that matters. Oh, oh yeah, so... I used some. Even back then, I figured out some broke ass stuff in tournament fighters, man. That that still holds true to this day. So I was proud of myself on that. Everything <laughs> stays broken, man. So okay, so you established this relationship at Putt Putt. Uh, Generally, what year is this about? Um, mid nineties. Mid nineties. Okay, so you're in there. You're, you're like, so I'd probably say the like first to right before I left for college, which was uh, right around the turn of the millennium. There, hmm. um, I was running tournaments on a regular basis or a semi-regular basis, sometimes weekly, sometimes monthly, depending on the needs of the arcade for their space. Uh, and my interest levels. I also played Magic the Gathering like really, really competitively back then, and uh, several other collectible card games because those were really, really huge back then. Right. And uh, I traveled for those a lot, so I wasn't always available for arcade tournaments, and I was the only person willing to run them. But man, I I, I used to run single elimination tournaments for so long that when double elimination became the standard. Like I didn't know how to float people to losers, and I made like the worst brackets ever. Like, <laughs> yeah, so much, so much double elimination, uh, double jeopardy, double jeopardy. Yeah, because we didn't know how first to do round it. of losers and stuff like that. I, I, I was really bad at it, but I tried. And um, people, people like that. Like, 
I, I could be very loud as you as you well know i'm sure mm -hmm. yeah um people like that they could understand uh my speaking and like just like the authority i had over like making sure people were in the places they needed to be at the right times and got stuff moving like people appreciated that fact and they like they ran tournaments like I, i'd be running like warhammer tournaments at the local games workshop and stuff like that just because i knew how to communicate with people and i knew how to quickly organize and get things going and i don't, I don't know how you define that as a quantitative skill but uh, people appreciated the my my directness and my bluntness and they um just kept offering me opportunities to keep running tournaments and i just kind of ran with it nice nice and then i took that with me to college which was in pittsburgh okay so yes we're going to go into that so now time travel a couple of years you're in pittsburgh and what happened in pittsburgh right now pittsburgh had no scene whatsoever they had an arc so i went to school downtown i started at the uh art institute of pittsburgh uh, when I when I got there, which was just a complete scam school, so I, I got suckered hard by that. But um, the the one benefit to it was there was an arcade like a block away um, on Smithfield Street. It was called Aces Breakaway and Play, and um, they had fighting games. Like it was all like video poker machines, but mm. they had a line of just fighting games. That's pretty much the only like real conventional video games they had. Right, and um, I'd be in there in between classes on break even after i got work like i would be in there all the time just like practicing soul soul caliber one soul caliber two tekken four uh tekken five those those games were out when i really started um giving a shit about finding other people to play and it was like that that start over cycle so i was the new kid in town and of course i like this is this is the magic that's gone, Rodney, and I, I just I wish more people would realize that back in the day, without like the powers of YouTube um, hmm. and just like streaming and stuff like that, people didn't know how to find legitimate information on games, and they also only had what was around them to determine what skill in a video game was. Right. So. It was that magical time back then where everybody thought they were the king shit at fighting games. <laughs> and if if you beat them, there was always somebody they knew that was better than you. Yeah. And they would make up some shit. Tell me how many times you, you had to hear this all the time in your city. Like, man, my friend used to, he, he lives on the West Coast now. He wins all these Street Fighter tournaments out there. Yeah, he won a <laughs> yeah. world championship. He would body you, dude. You ain't nothing. Like, yeah. that would be their shit talk. Tell me, tell me that didn't happen at Chinatown Fair on the Rack. All the time, man. All the time, but and it was kind of true. People actually like moved out. I, I guess by that time in CTF, people started knowing about the West Coast, and uh, uh, I'm sure you know before like the more notable names like a Justin Wong or Chris G moving out there, you had smaller time players, you know, who moved out to the West Coast. Not to say small in scale, but you know because the scene wasn't as out there as it is now. Um, you have you know you have those guys that moved out to the West Coast. Was it for fighting games? Maybe, maybe not. But they definitely was playing when they were out there and probably got better or comparable to when they were in their home region. So it happens all the time. So not only was it that that type of thing, but they would always have some guy they knew. And I get, I became an expert at like rooting out these people. <laughs> they only have some guy they knew that was better than you. 
Mm-hmm. And I would I would get on them about that. Like I would yeah. like be persistent. I would communicate with them. I email them. I get their phone and I text them. I'm like, yo, where's your boy at? Like, <laughs> supposed to see him back and forth. Get this guy over here. I'll bet you twenty dollars. Like, I I became really adept at making people put their money where their mouth was, and it, that's kind of really like a divisive, toxic strategy. But back then, <laughs> that that was the only way I could convince people that one. Like you're, you're not, your skills aren't real until you prove it and beat somebody for something other than, you know, bragging rights. Right. And then two, like, uh, it, it, like people don't care about proving things to you until you make a wager. Right. So I was always, mm-hmm. back then I was like a, a really, really big time shit talker, man. I just talked <laughs> a bunch of shit. And, but through that process, I discovered that I was really good at communicating and like keeping all these people in communication with each other. And like, I was really into introducing like, Oh dude, you play this game. I don't, I don't really like virtual fighter. I, I don't really like CVS two that much. I know, I know. But anyways, but it's like, um, I would introduce players that played games that I didn't really care for to mm-hmm. each other so that us people in Pittsburgh could get better overall. Right. And then we, I started running tournaments at the Aces Breakaway and Play because the guy thought it was like the greatest idea. He gave me the key to the machines and everything. And that that was a perfect time too because we all just started buying arcade sticks. Like I had the uh, gray Namco stick with the yellow buttons. You remember that one? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and I, for some reason, I really took the Soul Caliber in particular on our arcade stick over a pad, um, just because the Dreamcast pads were so whack. Right. Uh, for playing fighting games like i i would play like crab style and then i switched the thumb style for certain moves and it was just it was really uncomfortable did you have like um, did your scenes have like uh on the soul caliber 2 cabinets like the developed conquest mode or whatever it was oh dude conquest was like my shit yeah. i i i had i had a dominant ivy that would do nothing but criminal symphony and summon suffering and mm. 22b into nine uh six nine b but yeah um yeah, Conquest. I don't want to get sidetracked with all the Soul Calibur two <laughs> or something like that. Like Soul Calibur two is like really where I started to like become like a community person online mm. as well. So I started running arcade tournaments. I started networking everybody in Pittsburgh to coordinate and meet at places uh, at university, like anime clubs, stuff like mm. that. Like places places that had space and people with similar interests because a lot right. of anime club people were into video games. Like right. gaming and anime went hand in hand early on um it still does for the most part true yeah true so i i would i would go around to all the local universities and see if they'd be willing to like host games after the anime meetings or give us space to host tournaments and start doing that all around pittsburgh and just coordinating people and then i took that mentality to the official forums for tech inside botsu for soulcalibur.com I eventually became the head administrator for SoulCalibur.com and started running tournaments, helping coordinate tournaments, um, building communities. Like I took that that knowing people in Pittsburgh and getting them to meet other people in Pittsburgh that had similar interests to them uh, through fighting games to getting people I know of in certain cities and certain regions and get matching them up with other people in certain cities and certain regions that were near them. And helping them build communities, and like that's really what I became known for. Uh, it was mainly through Soul Calibur, a little bit in Tekken, uh, less so because Tekken's Ibatsu had like a lot of strong personalities already doing the community building thing. So I, I was mainly relegated to the Northeast there, but 
Soul Calibur was more of a national thing, and I really got a lot of people talking, and uh, a lot of people that I introduced to each other are still friends to this day. So I was I was happy about that, like feature of the community. But yeah, that's that's really where my life in Pittsburgh uh, took me as a game community manager slash tournament organizer, and then um, we we started running these tournaments in Pittsburgh. Uh, called UCP, which was named mm-hmm. after this pizza that we had called the Ultimate Chicken Pizza. It was like this completely <laughs> unique thing from a pizzeria near us. It had a ranch barbecue pizza sauce, and it was cheddar Monterey Jack as the pizza cheese, and then spiced Cajun potato wedges and fajita chicken with what? peppers as the topping. Wow. It was, dude, it was like, it was such a good pizza. Like, <laughs> It became renowned in the FGC. That's why the tournament was called UCP. People were basically be coming to play games, but secretly they're coming just to get some of that pizza. pizza. Yeah, wow. It sounds great, man. And I, we became so tight with the pizzeria owner that he had, like, these tournaments were held in my house because that back then we, we had majors in people's houses. That, mm-hmm. That's how, how small the FGC was. I had 70 people in my house. Granted, it was a four-story house, and I had seven roommates, and they, they were all somehow cool with me taking over the house for a weekend um so we crammed 70 fucking soul caliber and tekken players and also guilty gear and i was into the guilty gear community uh, at that point as well mm. really heavily uh guilty gear is my favorite 2d game okay in our house we t- all we all crammed into my living room and i swear to god the floorboards almost gave way we could feel the floor buckling underneath us that's how many people were in my living room i i I could still dig up the picture. I'm sure we still got the picture somewhere. <laughs> 70 people in my living room. And we took a picture of that uh, with a stack of like 100 pizza boxes in front of us because we ordered 100 pizzas. And uh, yeah. the pizzeria owner kept that framed on his wall for oh, like wow. the walking thing. Like he thought it was the greatest thing, dude. Like they, they did so many favors for us. But yeah, um, back then, like having 32 men in the bracket was like a super major for us, course, especially yeah. on the East Coast. Like, the West Coast had a little bit more organization because their arcades had survived. Mm-hmm. At this stage, in, like, uh, the 2002 through 2004 phase of the East Coast, arcades were closing left and right. We were mm-hmm. losing all of our famous arcades. Um, so people were really, like, experimenting with, like, what public spaces were okay to hold gaming tournaments in. And, like, logistically, not a lot of people had equipment and people coordination skills, so a lot of it wasn't working out. And I tried to provide that by getting people to come to Pittsburgh and uh, yeah. Yeah. And it, it, like I was telling you before, um, as an aside and sorry, it's so scatterbrained because like, there's so many things like individual stories, right? In 2000 it, through 2000. It's probably all coming up to you. You're thinking about it right now. Yeah. Like I was also running anime convention tournaments for yes. uh, like Otakon, Animazement, uh, AWA, uh, Katsukan, all the big ones. So you, I was running their video game rooms for a world warrior. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was running tournaments and, and, and in a lot of cases, running the actual video game rooms themselves, and like designing tournaments for those. And that, that's really where the FGC was born, mm-hmm. I, especially on the East Coast. I think like people for all the people who used to go to anime convention tournaments, because that's the only place to definitively gather everybody and say who was the best between them, right. even though the prizes were shit, mm-hmm. like anime box DVD sets donated from a vendor and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And then like, you would have to like battle through scrub logic because they, they had people in place like running like 
Iron Man style ladder tournaments where the first person in the bracket faces the next person in the bracket and you keep going until you lose. And like it's it what? doesn't even sound good on paper. It but, doesn't. <laughs> but it, it like they didn't even realize the flaw that like if the if a semi good person is the last person in the bracket, all they gotta do is beat one dude. And I'll catch him and it, it was a single match, single elimination style. Hmm. So like anybody could random out anybody in fighting games back then. So like right. you had to you had to compete against like defeating the mentality of people who ran events with like rules like anime conventions used to have like the most ridiculous rules like no corner trapping people, uh, no being cheap, <laughs> no ring outs for Soul Calibur. What? Like, I, I was at a tournament where I got banned for <laughs> uh, throwing somebody too much. Uh... They actually asked me to. to disqualified be disqualified you're like wow this guy did a throw five times in a row on somebody this is this is not the spirit of a fighting game tournament <laughs> and that was at Otakon. Wow, yeah but they, they, they literally had the rule number one no being cheap and cheap is like a completely subjective term what's totally cheap? subjective <laughs> yeah you know but it's not uh, cheap and, if you know how to deal with it <laughs> you know i don't want to rant on too much about that but yeah that that's really where i developed my my community building skills and like learn how to run tournaments and learn like what worked, what didn't. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was a lot of fun, man. I made a lot of lifelong friends like coming up that way in the FTC. And I, I still see a lot of them in the FTC doing operational stuff to this day. We, we, we're going to jump ahead a little bit and obviously go like, uh, before COVID and everything. So you're just established TO you're out of the, the Northeast region. Um, What's it like right now in the current state? Let's say before COVID, what is it like being a TO in the community nowadays? Before COVID or after? Yeah, before. Let's say before, before COVID. Uh, I mean, it's just a kind of... Um, I mean, you had this history. You had this, like, you had this experience. You've seen generations at this point come and go. So what's it like? Correct. So what... I mean, what it's like is just um, a lot of work, and uh, it's it's that type of work that's you know you know you you know going in it's thankless, right? Like, mm. um, of course, <laughs> very completely thankless, thankless, yeah. which is fine. Yeah, you know, I, I don't resent any of it. I wouldn't right. do it if I if I resented any of it. Of but um, yeah, it, it's just a thing where I want to give the people in my community and the people around me, the best chances to succeed at something they love. And I, I always want to like recreate that atmosphere of the old arcades. I want to, I want, I want people to know what it's like to be in an offline competition because it's so much different than online. It's like people try to sugarcoat everything these days and gaslight you into believing things that mm -hmm. just simply weren't true. But like, there's nothing that's ever going to match looking your opponent in the eyes you know, all the shit talk you talked online before that, none of that means anything. Right. When you're face to face with somebody and you've really got to prove that you're better than them. And you prove that you could win. And like I think like this a lot of this generation's like missing that like factor. So I, I try and provide that and um I still just find myself like just really energized at like organizing people, like helping people find what they want to do within the, the video gaming that they love, like taking their, their hobby to the next level. 
mm-hmm. and I, I enjoy it. even like for Smash and other things that I don't personally play or or really care for the game to begin with. I I I I get that they are gamers and that they are are living the same dreams and the, the same fantasies that I am, and I want to help them as well. So I, I do everything I can to help every type of gaming community in my area get together and and make their events better meet other people easier and um just have it have it always have a space to play where you don't feel like it's a giant hassle to go out of your way and 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 meet people and play games that's just a something that has just become kind of like an a thing for me Uh, it's just a a daily routine i I definitely gotta say personally when the first time i know uh how we met um i don't know did i reach out to you or did you reach out I think I reached out to you. I believe we met each other at a major, and I talked about, "Hey, would you ever consider? Yeah, like I like what you guys are doing. Would you ever mm. consider coming out to one of my events? I, yeah, I run something like that. I think that that's how I met you. Yes, that's right. That's right. I think it was. It might have been. A, it's probably at a big. It's probably at a big E tournament. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like I remember, like you know, Steve and I. We you know we 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 do logistics and we talk to you, come up, and even to this day, like when when Steve and I talk about it and talk about communities like you guys are so encompassing in in what you do and you're so tight-knit and i've i've never felt so comfortable in a community you know in any community not even our own like i i come i come to buffalo it's cold as hell it's only like what is it october (laughs) like october is like winter it's like but the community is so warm, man. It's so warm and so endearing. And it's like, like Steve and I talk about it all the time. Like, we had such a great time going up there all the time. You, your hospitality, your community. Um, so, and that's not overnight work, at all. Like, you, you, you had this experience now, right? Like, you, you went, you went to Pittsburgh. You literally put them on the map. I don't care anyone says what you're telling me. I know you're not a liar. You put them on the map. Right. So. Oh, I definitely put Pittsburgh on the map, and they, they, that's fine. It's nothing to brag about. It's, I'm not you know, not to be a bragger, but it's just what it is. And like, you come back home with all this knowledge, right, and all this ex- like experience. Like, what's the next like decade for you? In a nutshell, I come back to Buffalo in 2006. Everything that I had left in place is gone. Oh. All the arcades are gone. Like, Buffalo is devoid of arcades other than, like, Dave and Buster's. Did you find out um, when you got back, or was it something you just heard? No, I mean, I, my, my family still lived here, so I'd come up and I'd try and keep tabs on the friends. There, we, we, so, there was a, a arcade left in Buffalo when I came in. That was in our main mall, the Galleria Mall. It was called Cyber Station. And I immediately go to those guys, befriend all the employees in the arcade. We start playing, like mad free fighting games after hours like they unlock all the cabinets and we just play 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 um and they start letting me run tournaments um the store next to the arcade eventually goes out of business we get to use that space for console tournaments in addition to arcade game tournaments and i just start start doing what i was doing in pittsburgh and i just start building the community anew in buffalo and and buffalo didn't have any kind of like collegiate infrastructure like Pittsburgh, the mm. community, like the colleges there all are kind of like interlinked. Like they have programs to like for university of Pittsburgh to interact with uh, Carnegie Mellon students and um, all the other, like Duquesne. And there's a whole bunch of universities that are really close knit to each other in Pittsburgh and the students like 
not video gaming wise because esports wasn't still wasn't a thing back then but like those those colleges like had programs for students to meet other students from other schools and buffalo had nothing like that not nothing like that we have a bunch of colleges that are completely like don't associate with each other whatsoever and buffalo is like way more suburban of a city it's like mm-hmm. not all centralized so you gotta like you gotta go around right to get around places in buffalo so i took up the cup of just going to all the in all the universities like gaming and anime clubs individually and just starting doing what i, what I was doing before finding people like I, I my typical approach was go to an anime club wait till they're doing their announcements at the end, you know, meet and greet with everybody and say, Hey, is anybody in this club interested in XXX fighting games? Like I, I have a group. We love to play these games and we're looking for more players. We're trying to run tournaments, stuff like that. And occasionally somebody would like raise their hand, like, Oh dude, I've totally played attack in a row. Man. I love guilty gear. I've never been able to find players for guilty gear. I'm like, dude, we're, we meet up here on Tuesdays, start coming out and, I would email these people. I'd keep reminding them. Like I was really good at just managing the information and like keeping on top of people. And 99.9% of the time, and I want like all the people who are trying to build communities now to know this, you, 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 you're you going to feel like a failure, but you're not failing. Mm-hmm. Like 90, 99% of the people don't care. They don't, they'll, they'll, because you're in your face and, and you're talking, they'll, they'll agree to what you're saying. Like, oh yeah, dude, I totally want to play Tekken. They don't really want to play Tekken. You're going to fail 99% of the time. You're, you're, you're working for that 1%. Because if you keep grabbing every year of those 1% of players that actually want to get better at the game and want to go to tournaments and want to compete, you, you need to really just stay on, stay on those people and like learn how, who, who's a bullshitter and who's not a bullshitter and just concentrate on the people who are not bullshitters and just, you know, extend the invitation to everybody. And then eventually you, you keep getting this one guy from university of Buffalo, this one guy from Damon college, this one guy from buff state, and you're slowly building a group, but every single one of those guys is dedicated to the same vision that you are. And that that's, and then when people see that you have a group of like, like-minded dudes all doing the same thing and having fun, then, then the casuals start coming around like, Whoa, you guys got like 30 people here playing these games. That's cool. I want to be a part of this. That's when you start getting casuals. But when you're building that community, focus on the guys who who have have returned to communication, saying that they're serious and right. have showed up to a gaming session. They might not show up again if you don't contact them, but like stay on those guys. So and this, um, this kind of puts you in like this kind of like this Godfather, like Buffalo Goat status. If, if, if and if that's the case, like. Who who are your favorite children, quote unquote, in the community? Who who are the ones that have like helped to grow, st- stuck around you, like you know whether they're here today or not? Every, like like the, this is the thing. Like I'm completely transparent with my community to a fault. Like mm. people don't like how much like real I am most of the time because I will like I don't do any behind the scenes like shit talking. If I want to shit talk somebody, I'll I'll do it in public and I want to get it out there and I want. It's not the best way. I'm not saying that's the best way to do right. things. But, but I just there's, there's nothing wrong with honesty. Sometimes it hurts, but it's honest. Yeah. yeah. Well, people. I mean, people don't like that aspect of me. But um, it, for the most part, it's worked. Um, and uh, they. 
when they see that you're being honest and you, they see that you don't have a hidden agenda and they see that you're not trying to exploit them for money, which is a big problem with a lot mm -hmm. of small communities is they'll have a guy coming in just trying to make money off of a tournament or stuff All like right. that nowadays. Mm -hmm. So um, you got you got to show them that you're not one of the snakes in the grass and that you're, you're genuinely just trying to keep something going. And, and they, they all generally, like you said, like uh, you felt very, like the community was like all interconnected and like they're all on mission, right? Like everybody was all about like showing how cool, chill and friendly our community was and how much we love playing games. That's all I really want anybody to do. Of course we've had like ambassadors. Most of our players that turn really good, end up being like great like promotional material for us like joey fury's blown up magnificent mm -hmm. uh we had a we had a street fighter player back in street fighter 4 uh who's got like in almost every game he plays named jug like mm -hmm. he got noticed all over uh he's he's known as gaomaru now he's like the number one bison online and the number one nash online nice. he he like he's not a big social media person but like like when people see a skilled player who's super friendly and they want to know how that person got good. Like they would just say, I play together with my community all the time. Like we get together and we keep grinding. We keep trying to get better and we keep pushing each other to get better. Right. And um, yeah, there, I, I had a, every single generation. There's been guys who have stepped up and like, just like repeated the, the mission statement of the community to everybody. And like, like as soon as everybody sees that everybody is on the same page and the, the people that they're having fun with believe that the community is worth supporting and worth continuously coming out to and building friendships through sky's the limit. So it's, it's just, a, um, I don't, yeah, I don't really want to say that any one particular person had, had been any more help than the other. Everybody in the community has been great for right. the most part. Yeah. And we, we do really good at like weeding out the, the bad seeds, the people who bring toxicity and stuff like that. Mm. we, we tell them that the type of behavior and mentality is like really not welcome and uh, deal with that on an individual basis. But like, yeah, the community itself is just like done great. Like uh, once you build it to a point, like it, it kind of like takes care of itself. Like people understand the mentality. They understand what they're signing up for. And uh, that means that I did a good job if everybody understands that right when they start coming to games. So yes, you, yes, you definitely did a good job on that. And, um, I used to remember when uh, my my team would enter tournaments and it'd be a bunch of us, and like I used to hear little murmurs like, "Oh, look, it's a football team," you know, coming. And then I met you, and every time you come to an event, you literally have a squad coming down in the blue and black, and they're playing everything. And it's like, oh my god, like such a huge community. Like, so what is what is that about? What is Buffalo FGC like? Is there a membership? Does someone just wick, walks up to you one day and says, I want to be This down. is the best part about it. This is the best part about it. Like, our guys look like they're sponsored players, right? Right. But it's really just their pride in the community. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they that I, I, I would say that's probably my best accomplishment is like, people want to represent the Buffalo fighting game community because they love the community. Right. They love that it represents where we're from, what we're about. And that we're here to play games and that we're, we're actually good at games. Pay attention to us. Like right. they, that was always my mentality and that's how I built my community and my players believe in that. Like they bought the jerseys with their own money. Mm. Like 
I didn't even develop the jerseys. So like, like one of my players just uh, caught lightning in a bottle and found a, a jersey company. He's like, hey, do do we want to do community jerseys? And everybody at that time was just like, hell yeah. And they they took the ball and ran with it. Like, nice. I, like I definitely helped push them in the right direction, but I'm never like telling people to do something. I'm just proud that they did. I'm happy that they did. And yeah, they, they, they're willing. So they know that since we're small and we're completely grassroots, we don't have a business supporting us. We don't have a rich benefactor. I'm not independently wealthy myself. So we don't have the resources to put up money and just like attract players of money. So we have to attract them with something else. And that's like a sense of camaraderie and a sense of community, a sense of belonging, right? Belonging to a fighting game community because you like fighting games and you appreciate seeing other skilled players commit to improving their craft. And that's, uh, it's really what it's all about. And I'm, I like, I think we are the only like real community that represents themselves without a sponsorship. Right. There's a, like, there's a few. You're definitely like pioneering in that regard. And especially when it comes to successful players, I know some of you guys have taken names across the board, uh, over the years for sure. Um, with that being said, can we get into how Rumble in the Tundra started and the whole, like, the blue buffalo logo, the name, I guess because it's cold. Like, how did all that, you know, get get going? That was just me trying, like, when majors started popping up, I very badly wanted a major in Buffalo. Buffalo is not a great city for esports or anything like that. There's not a lot of... It's like an old school city. Like all the business here is done very old school. Like there's companies willing to sponsor your event, but they're willing to give you like product. Like we'll cater your event or we'll give you some mm-hmm. signs for free or something like that. But they will never put up money for a pot or right. anything like that. So regardless of that fact, I just, I always wanted to have a major in Buffalo just to say that we we are a city that is worthy of that and I, I very much believe my community is worthy of having a major local like we have better local support than a lot of the cities that have majors and that always depressed me but um yeah so i just tried to build it up unfortunately like the, my one failing rodney and I, i'm sure you it's been clear and i'm sure i've expressed it to you is just like i'm not good at at chasing clout and i don't like the spotlight like i shy away from it like i want to make sure everything's run perfectly but i don't want to sit there and in the spotlight and take credit for it and right that has worked against me to get to the highest levels of like organization like i since i'm not an after party, i've never gone to an after party at evo even though i've been to 15 evos right i i don't i don't hang out rub elbows and name drop like i just like I'm all about getting the job done, making sure that the problems still exist are being taken care of at the event and that the players are taken care of. Cause the, the one thing that I hate about majors that I'm not involved with is just like how like lost and despondent some of the players feel from their experiences there when the staff doesn't treat them right, when something's right. confusing and they, they get eliminated cause they didn't know where to be at the right time. Right. I want to make sure that nobody ever has to go through that at my events. And I so know I'm always working in the background to to make sure. You and I personally, of course, many events that we've worked together has seen this. Have, I I know I can definitely say of basically anyone I've worked with, you take your role seriously in this community, and to a point where if you feel like you're not being respected, 
you will handle it the way you need to handle it. Even if it means a step away. And I, I've always respected that about you personally because you're no-nonsense about just the community. So this is not even, again, it's not even things that you necessarily have your direct hands in. You're just a part of. And you, 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 you approach it at a level where as if you've invested your entire life into this event. That's not even yours. So I and know you're somebody else's event. And yeah. I think that's something that people don't know about me. Like, you're, people are going to be watching this and they're like, who the hell is this guy? Just a dude from Buffalo. You guys I, need to I, know <laughs> who this I'm, guy is. I'm in the background of almost every major on the East Coast yes. in some capacity. And I'm usually the, like the head TO or floor manager of one of them. So, mm-hmm. well, I, I don't. I don't try and put that over people. I just right. want people to know that I'm there to make sure that they have a good time. It's it's the and, humbleness that comes with it. You're this is the the pure at heart, you know, things that people really need in this community. You're one of those outlets for that because, again, your work speaks for itself. Um, you had how many uh, Roman Tundras over the years? Um, seven. seven. But which, uh, which is a lot for people that that isn't a major event ongoing. That's a lot. It is, and we we've taken hiatuses, and we unfortunately took a hiatus the, even before COVID started, just because. Right. Rumble had become successful as a grassroots event to the point where we outgrew that venue. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. the venue, the the tri main building that we were at was just kind of like not the the optimal venue, right? Let's let's right. say that you could be you were there, you you know the logistical problems we had. It's basically the basement of a renovated factory building <laughs> that's turned hey, into like when everything's going you don't even know man it's just like games galore everyone's having fun you know and, yeah. and that's that's kind of been your your whole legacy like making something out of nothing you know and, and and making it very successful very well so i definitely applaud you for that i appreciate it and i like i don't ever not appreciate the praise even though if i don't like sit out there and talk about like how I should be praised or like sit there and like banter mm. online about like the success and the, the, the things that we're doing in the community. I just want everybody to know that like, if you've attended my events or you've just told me that you've had a good time, it's supremely, supremely appreciated. Of course, you, of course. You, and I'm not, I'm not really good at outwardly emoting, especially like happiness. So, <laughs> um, it, it's just, uh, I, I just always wanted, it, it goes back to the art, like how we started this conversation. The arcade environment was something that was very near and dear to my heart. It was it took place in my formative years. It like became a part of my identity, and I always wanted to preserve that for the future generations, especially when I saw it being eradicated. I mean, there, I mean we're living in a generation where there are players in our community. The majority of players in our community have never even set foot in an arcade. Right, like an actual arcade. bustling arcade quarters on the on the freaking. Bezels, yeah, not even Buster's like redemption. <laughs> yeah. No, like, no way. Like, who got next? I can't move. Move back. I'm a big dude. When I used to play on the cabinet, I took up space. So, and out of courtesy, I have to play like on the side, just to make sure my opponent has all the room to get his butt beat and have no excuses. <laughs> so, I, you know, I miss all of that. That's that's just the fun things that was part of that. But, I just, it's really all I want. I just wanted to keep that going, and um. Like I, I didn't ever want to, I don't even know the best way to put it. I just didn't ever want to like sell out, like try and turn it into a profitable business. Cause I wanted my players to always feel like you are responsible for your own success and right. like getting together and facing the best players in your area and then no frills 
environment is the best way to foster that. Just keep grinding, keep playing each other, and just have fun doing it and become friends. And, mm-hmm. and when you form friendship with people in the community, like you want you want them to succeed as much as you want you to succeed. Of course. And that, that's course. really, that's what I hang my hat on again in the community. It's like all my guys, they pull for each other. My Tekken guys pull for my Street Fighter guys, and they, my Street Fighter guys pull for my Mortal Kombat guys, and like they're all together, and um, it's a great thing to behold. Like that's that's what I'm definitely proudest of. Now I, I know you you speak from a humble place, but uh, I gotta say you 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 definitely I, I personally feel you've been recognized somewhat for your efforts. Um, were, were you were involved with uh, Red Bull, right? In terms of the right, tournament, yeah. yeah. So how how did that come about and what did that lead to um i was asked um to come run brackets uh, because they liked how i was running brackets at i think it was defend the north mm-hmm. like a red bull representative had been there and like this guy gets stuff done we need to bring him on board and then um yeah unfortunately like red bull like is like this like layered process organizationally so um they wanted to work with me and like i wanted i like presented ideas to them immediately for doing something in buffalo um unfortunately like marketing wise it just wasn't like i don't know if you knew anything about the red Red bull regional split like how they they handle their esports stuff in regions uh very little i i I probably part of it i'm a very small even though buffalo new york is in the same state as new york city Mm-hmm. We are counted as a different region. They had us in Boston's region, so okay. we, we were considered the Northeast, New York City, and like the tri-state area down there. That was its own thing. What, what's and faster we were... to get to from where you are? Is it faster to get to Boston or faster to get to New York City? Oh, New York City by far. So why? Boston. <laughs> that makes no sense. But okay, go ahead. I again. Well, this is that. That's another thing. Like Buffalo just has this like weird, like disregardable uh, reputation. And just American, <laughs> the American psyche, right? Like people remember us for blizzards and like choking Super Bowls and oh my god, and, and, <laughs> and chicken wings. And they're like, they don't know anything else about Buffalo. They're like, Buffalo is a nothing city. Get it out of my face. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. So I, I've had to deal with that a hmm. bunch. Um, but yeah, it's like when you when you approach a business person about developing a partnership and like. Their 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 mentality is always like profit minded or market share minded course, or like yes. promotional minded, right? So and you can't blame them for that. That's their job. Mm-hmm. Um, but like they look at Buffalo and they're like, "There's nothing here. Like, okay. I can't do anything with this city. I can't do anything with this city." Like, and even though we got a, a for the size of city that Buffalo, New York is, um, we got an incredible amount of players. That's just again. That goes back to the work that I did, like the right. hustle going after everybody. And again, and not just players. The players. players are not the most valuable resource. The, the right. ability to market and get companies to invest in a product mm-hmm. uh, is is really what has taken over. And that that's how Red Bull treated it. So instead of giving us like our own big Red Bull event that they were going to come and like run, uh, they ended up giving us a, and this is what you wanted to talk about, right? The Red Bull qualifier where we, right. mm-hmm. uh, we, we, they gave us a qualifier with a unique prize. We're the only community to ever get this prize from them. Um, they had promised us since, uh, I'd done such good work for them and they really wanted to get the Buffalo players like 
because they were doing like we had so many players doing so well all over like they wanted to get us some help get us some recognition so they're like what what we're going to do is we're going to give you a rise event which is like their lowest lowest tier of the the red bull conquest Mm. tour and in this tournament your top eight players from the red bull conquest games which were tekken street fighter and guilty gear uh your top eight players in this tournament are going to get a free all expenses paid trip and you're all going to go on a bus together and you're, we're going to pay for the hotel and everything nice. free all expenses paid trip to Boston for conquest to prove that you guys are the Supreme scene in this region. Nice. Nice. And so and now that's yeah. eight, the top eight in each game. So you got 24 players uh, collectively, 24 players and then me and two other staff members. So nice. like incredibly incredibly gracious of, of Red Bull. I was super, super happy that they did that for us. Not ungrateful at all. There were some logistical problems that came with it. Not, don't even need to talk about that stuff right. because the end result was um, that was an amazing opportunity. And my it was most of my guys in the community consider the whole Red Bull Conquest experience as one of the best things that ever happened. And, like and you guys took it. some names at the actual event, right, when you guys got there. We won Every single game, and we dominated. Like we were basically populating the top eight of almost every game. We like we destroyed the Northeast. Yeah, two two of the three grand finals were Buffalo versus Buffalo, and then the other one was Buffalo versus New York City. Not even a Boston player in sight. (laughs) Just like the Red Sox. I'm kidding. (laughs) But yeah, we we won all three games, and um, it 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 was an awesome experience. Like that was. That Red Bull Conquest tournament in Boston, it was at Gillette Stadium, like, and Bills, mm-hmm. like, we're all Bills fans and stuff yeah. like that. So, being at the Patriot <laughs> Stadium and like hanging a giant L on that shit for Buffalo was like yeah. a great thing to begin with. Like, it was just great. Like, the That's whole awful. the whole experience is great, and like, it really brought all the guys who went on that trip. We had players come up just to support us. Like, all the guys who went on that trip, it was like one of the their best FGC experiences ever. And they'll nice. remember it for the rest of their lives, and I'm super, super happy about it. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That is really yeah. Like... I, I'm not saying I, I go completely unrecognized for my efforts. I'm just saying mm-hmm. like your general viewer who will see this on YouTube or your general FGC person might not know who I am. And right. It's uh, it's unfortunately by design, and I see the flaws of some of the things that I've done to stay in the shadows. But um, never think that I, again. I. I don't appreciate any praise and that I don't believe that I'm supported because I definitely believe that a lot of people believe in what I'm doing. And that's why, you know, the guys at ECT have me as their, their floor manager and, and defend North has had me and KIT has had me and Biggie trust me to do a lot of his, his floor work. So um, I, I feel appreciated in that way. And I, I just, uh, you know, going back to the, the whole rumble thing i just wish i could have built something like bigger and better in buffalo and it's still an ongoing process but it is definitely and I, I personally don't think you should give up, give up on that at any point um again it's a beautiful thing you've done over like like 20 20 years now it's two decades plus of like cha-cha how, how did the name cha-cha come about did i just dance oh, all man. over everyone and you when you uh when what? you win <laughs> you bust out okay. a cha-cha do we make this a long story short? Long story it... short, I was a giant <laughs> weeb in the 90s. If you couldn't tell from me talking about going to anime conventions and anime clubs and <laughs> stuff like that to find fighting gamers, it wasn't because I was purely... After a while, it became because I was purely interested in fighting games because like anime became really whack in the mid-2000s. Oh, yeah. That's for a lot. <laughs> but in the 90s, I was a giant, 
giant weeb, what you'd call today a weeb. And um, <laughs> there was a quirky little anime that nobody knew about, so I thought I was super cool, and I just adopted his name. It was named Akazukin Chacha. It was about Little Red Riding Hood. It's basically Little Red Riding Hood Chacha. Hmm. You can go look it up online now. It's just like some <laughs> definitely <laughs> magical girl series, and it, it, it was like Ranma one half. And Ranma like one half. Slayer. Okay, nice. Yeah. Well, but yeah, my name was Akazukin Chacha. So I would start. I thought the word Akazukin Chacha, like the term, sounded hmm. super cool, like. And Japanese, and I was like, "Oh, I'm all about it. I'm gonna have this unique name that everybody's gonna remember." And like, nobody, nobody ever could pronounce the Akazuka part. Azuzu, uh, <laughs> Akamukin. Like, they nobody could ever say it right. So I just eventually dropped the Akazuka off of it, and everybody just called me Cha Cha. Anyways, that's nice. That's how that came about. Nice. Oh, I, and most people, when they meet me, they're like, "You don't look like a Cha Cha." <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I, I, I probably thought you just. I, you just love the dance, maybe, and you just like that was your taunt or something like. Not, not at all. It's <laughs> completely weebish in roots, unfortunately. That's, no, that's, that's pretty very awesome. regrettable. I wonder what I, if I wasn't a weeb, what I would have named myself. Probably something generic, <laughs> demon or pirate, something. Like that. <laughs> or Buffalo Bill. Hey, that would not work. No. <laughs> okay, so we let's don't let's, no, let's, so let's let's put some stamps on this passport, right? You 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 you're born in. Or you you're born, you grew up in Buffalo, you go to Pittsburgh, start a scene, come back home, expand your scene. You get the credit, you get some credit, not the credit maybe you feel you always wanted, but the credit. You left out for me another important part, I think. Your the way you've been able to bridge your community with Canada, a whole entire other country. So let's get into that. Like how did you get with the Canada boys and and well get that started? So going back to my old mentality, there was always like I always like try to impress upon people. There's always bigger fish. So when you stop being your neighborhood champion and you start being your regional champion, um, you're like, who's next? Who, mm -hmm. Who's next to face me? And like Buffalo for people who don't really know because who pays attention to Buffalo, <laughs> we're not close to New York city. No. We're actually close to Toronto, Canada. Cause New York's a long, weird shaped state. <laughs> so we're up in the Great Lakes region and we're basically across the lake from Toronto. It's our closest scene. And of course, Toronto is this, this giant burgeoning mega city. And um, it's only an hour drive for us to get there. And right. uh, it, it's very easy for us to cross the border. I could get an enhanced license and just drive across the border. I don't need a passport right. or anything. Very easy. <clears throat> so it's not a problem for us to travel there generally. Uh, and um, they still had arcades when I came back and I was still very much into the arcade scenes and I would talk with the Canadian players there. I was big in the soul caliber community. They had a soul caliber community that was on the come up. Like they had a lot of players up there. So I was very interested in seeing like how good they were and like what I could do to get them to come down to my tournaments and what I could do to get my guys up to their tournaments. So we could start having an exchange of knowledge and skill and just kind of like build the hype. And I'm like, every scene needs a rival. Right. Every scene needs a rival. And um, we, we just chose the, the largest geographical threat to Buffalo, <laughs> which was Toronto. It's the easiest to get people to. Now, I did a lot to get like Pittsburgh. Like we, Pittsburgh and Cleveland guys come up here all the time too because we're very close to those two cities. Right. We're within three hours of each of them. So we, we have like, I did my best to like know how far gamers were willing to travel for a single day game or a single weekend game 
So I, I concentrated on like building up the region and like in order to get good player crossover, you have to like show support for their scenes. So I'm not like that. That's where I feel like a lot of organizers fall short. They, they are only thinking about building their scene. I'm right. like, well, in order to build my scene as a region, I want to make sure that all these other guys are, are on the right track and getting the help they need and get, getting just help in general, organizing these players like I have. So that that's really where that's where people started to notice me, right? Because I go up to Toronto and like you got to go after your guys like this. You got to get them playing here. You've got to like push these players in the right direction and keep communicating with them and get them to post on forums and stuff like that. Because that was all foreign concepts in 2006 to people. So that that's really just how it came about, and I ended up forging like a lot of good friendships with like Neil Russell and a bunch of the other you know head guys in Toronto, and we just. We, me and Russell early on understood that shit talk was the language that the FTC talked and like, we were really good at like pushing people's buttons. So we just do this friendly shit talk and like, you know, make Canadian jokes and they make American jokes. Like don't bring guns and knives to our tournaments. Like we play clean up here and stuff like that. You know, really innocent stuff. And um, yeah, so we, we'd start jawing at each other online and it, that like that, that got people interested in like bearing witness to like what was going to be the result of that rivalry and it just grew from there. So you have like when you've been around FC for a while, you look at different regions and different regions have allegedly their type of style, right? Like you go to East Coast, New York scene, we're considered laid back, uh, lame players. You know, we lay out everything for the win um west coast is more considered very aggressive over the top aggressive you know learn how to block type players what what was the first kind of style you noticed about a whole different country now you're in canada and you're dealing with, with, with canadian players before you really guys got integrated was your styles much different than each other in terms of competitive play oh yeah like so the canadians were like we used to make fun of them for playing too polite like the big problem that we felt like the Toronto scene had and like Buffalo, especially in street fighter four, which was like the big first crossover game that we had community wise, like Buffalo would go up there and dominate. Like it was like a meme for a while. Like we would just win their tournaments and just run. Um, They would just play with an automatic respect. Like they're like, Oh, these guys came up from America. They got to be good to come all the way up here. Like, they didn't realize like, it was nothing for us, right? right. They thought it was, this is international competition, and they, like, seeded us so much respect. So, like, we kept on trying to, like, say, like, man, you got to play dirty. Play like you're playing online. Play like you use, like, you got to win at any cost. Like, that that used to be their, their, their big thing is, like, they would just give you so much respect that they – and we were known as, like, the aggressive – like, we did stuff that was not real and disrespectful and stuff like that. <laughs> and and the, that that also helped, like, fuel the rivalry, especially, like, shit-talking during matches and stuff like that. I can, I can understand that, because, like, for a lot of people that don't understand, especially if you come up from an arcade scene, like you mentioned earlier, with the whole rules and rule sets of, like, the anime conventions, no throwing. There was this weird, unspoken, like, rule set in arcade back then, before, like, things like tech throwing and um, tech throwing and like um just block strings and stuff like that were really about there's just some things that were frowned upon if you got thrown by someone like more than twice in the match you might get upset you know and especially on those days when you, you didn't have no there's no teching throws or anything like that you're playing these old yeah. school fighters well, like, there's like no centralized rules whatsoever right 
So they had like this kind of this weird honor. And I, honestly, the best players in all those communities were the ones that ignored those rules because they produced the win at the end of the day. Correct. Yeah. And then, like, we we were so since Buffalo again is like just a like non non entity to a lot of people on on the major world scale. They would know that Buffalo is in New York, so therefore we're probably like New York City. So like, people would always treat us like we were New York City players, hmm. which I think and is a, a good thing, somewhat, right? It's a level of respect. You don't, you know, New York has its level of respect anywhere they go. So I guess <laughs> I always wanted to distinguish us from that. I hated being like paired oh, up of course, with them. Yes. They, they would always claim our successes too. They're like, yeah, New York, yeah. See, no, see, they'll claim us cool. now, right? Yeah, you don't. <laughs> Oh man, that's I was like a... Buffalo and New York City have nothing to do with each other. They never come to our stuff. We never go no. to their stuff. You know what? It, 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 it's it's New York, and I I as as someone from New York City, I want to apologize for that because, like you said, you got guys in a one day trip, three hours each way to come play your tournament. These guys here in New York City, one, they don't even drive most of us, and then two, if we do, if we got to be on a train for more than half an hour, it's too much. It's like. Oh my God! You know, I got things to do. So that's just the nature of New York City, and that's the oh, way it's always been. <laughs> you know, and you got again, you got guys coming a few hours, you know, to learn or beat you guys. You know, depending on what the situation is. I think that's a great thing. Yeah, and I, I'm like, I we have cities close to us: Syracuse, Rochester, stuff like mm -hmm. that. Their scenes come to our scene to learn, to right. like get competition because their scenes are. X amount smaller than our scenes and like we're the big scene in the region. Right. So and I, I, I take that responsibility very seriously. Like I really want the guys from Rochester and Syracuse not to have to come up to my tournament and play each other. Right. I want them to play Buffalo guys. I want them to play Toronto guys. I want them to play Cleveland guys. I want them to play somebody who will never be in their scene so that they get that experience outside of their bubble. And um, yeah, that, again, that's that's like a big part of the success here if you want to call that success. That's another testament to your ability because there are definitely times when you and I had to work together on seating and you hit me up like a month before and like, we got to get the seating done. I'm like, Chacha, wait, it's a month. We didn't have to have all the players in, you know? Yeah, but we got the known players. We're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to see them. You're very serious about that because it, it provides an experience. You know, I, I went to Evo 2016 and in my bracket in the second round was uh, T.S. Saban. I'm like, I'm in the same city. I don't want to fly across the country to play this guy in the second round when there's like a whole universe of players coming to EVO. That's crazy to me, you know? Yep, and and I, it, I know something like you, your tournament would never have that happen because you're you're very particular with your seating, you know? Again, it, it's just part of your work ethic and how you run and things. Nobody's perfect. I've definitely missed players in the past. Like, yeah. I don't know every player from every scene. I, I wish I did. But, mm -hmm. um, like, I try my very best right. with the tools available to me to make sure that you don't have to play somebody you know at a tournament far right. away from home. Right. Why would you ever want to do that? Like, let me see you in, like, top 32 or something, like, if I make it yeah. that far. I don't want to see you in the second round of my pool when we live in the same city. Correct. And I like I would always feel crushed every time some new player come up to me and can, can, like, dude, I rode up in a car with this guy. I'm like, but you put your city as this on the bracket. How was I supposed to know? Yeah, that's different. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it it's it's tough, but I definitely went like went to extra mile and and I lent those services to other events. I've seated for everything: Evo, mm. Combo Breaker, 
final round. Like I help with seating everywhere that I possibly can because I, I want to make sure that people don't have to play each other from their seat. Like it's not the reason you're going to a major. You're not going to a major to beat locals. You want a major to get the experience of playing the best from around the country and internationally. And it's even more important now with so many international players coming. Like, yes, you know, if, if you're from Podunk, you know, town in Kentucky and you play against the same five guys every day, like how great of a treat is it going to be to play a top Korean player or a top Japanese player in the game of their, their skill? Like how much right. value is that for you? And right. like, that's the reason you're going, you want a chance to compete against the best of the best. Right. I, I always want to make sure that that's provided. And, and I, I, it irritates me to a very high degree to see when it's not being provided or not being regarded. So that's definitely something to always consider whenever you're, you know, developing a tournament. Um, in regards to that, who were your favorite TOs? Who, who were the people in the community that you consider yourself, you know, appear to someone you look up to if possible? Uh, who, who are some of those people, if any, that you think about on that level? Uh, I mean, almost everybody I've met, I held in high regard. As, like, if you've been doing the same thing I've been doing, where you're doing the, the work in the background um, and not, like, trying to, like, come off as this, like, esports playboy of a tournament organizer, like, you have my profound respect. Like, my fate, like, I go way back with Big E. I love E. Um, Russell from Toronto is one of my best friends. Like, uh too many to, to name like everybody everybody from biggie's events everybody from east coast throwdown defended north all the east coast stuff like most of the tos i've worked with in my life they mm -hmm. they have my my respect and like i enjoy talking to them on, on a friendly basis and on a, on a personal basis like there's nobody i really have problems with and if i do have problems with them it gets squashed immediately like i, nice. I confront it so but nice. yeah like you guys Andre, Andy, like they, you all have my respect for trying to like trying to reign the beast that is New York City's <laughs> little little pockets of players that don't ever want to associate with the rest of the boroughs and stuff like that, man. It's New York City is its own beast in and of itself. I wonder how well I would do if I were to try and take on New York City if I lived there, but uh, it would be a much more massive undertaking. Than, it would, than, but we would definitely need someone like you to to make some dense into the situation that that is in new york city for sure but yeah all every like any to that's just trying to get their scene to a better place to get their players organized man like you, i've got your back like and i think almost all of them know that by now you know and anybody who's tried to get something going beyond beyond their town or regionally like i've run into them and i i, I definitely like right away will give them any information they need and like give them suggestions based on what I'm seeing in their scene. I have no problems doing that. But um, yeah, I'd say my, my oldest friends are probably my favorite people who like, I don't mind ever just shooting the shit with, but uh, also a lot of the old school guys, the old, old organizers, they're not super social media people either. So no, not. <laughs> okay, talking yeah. is not something that's done, but like when you build a friendship on that level, like you don't need to talk every couple of days to know that you're, you're tight. So, right. Of course. But, um, and, and even people that I haven't known long, like uh, Zach and Walter from uh, East Coast Throwdown, like mm -hmm. those guys have been fantastic. They, right. they they put on a fantastic event. They care about the community, and like I haven't known them that long, but they've taken incredible care of me and like raised me up through their event almost instantly. 
Right. Yes. So, so a bunch like, of hardworking guys. I hope, I hope to get them on the show soon so we can bust their chops too. But, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely thing. Who who are, who is some of your favorite entertaining FTC personalities? Hmm. Even whether you watching them or you interact with them personally at an event. That's the whole thing. It's like um, I watch a lot of FTC streams. There's almost always an FTC stream on in my background. But mm. like I'm trying to think, Tasty Steve definitely okay. yeah super entertaining to me. Cool I dude. Cool identify dude. a lot with what Ultra David says mm-hmm. uh, on the way he approaches match analysis and just like rationally discusses things. Like I I, I like his his rhetoric. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, those two like really stand out. Um, who else has been like super duper like entertaining to me? Maybe uh, boys at <laughs> <laughs> whatever you guys do. Whatever we're doing. What about a uh, uh, DTB Curtis? It's someone that I have an ongoing rivalry. No, that's uh, a good point. I was thinking <laughs> mainly of like p- on air talent. Yeah, but like personalities in the yeah, FTC. Yeah, Horace Curtis, dude. DCB is. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember when he tried to gaslight everybody into believing you were the person who was anti-U.S. players. Curtis is the goat, dude. Oh, man. We're going to get this guy on the show. Him and I got a bone to pick for sure. But, but yeah, like, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but the the guys from KIT, uh, B. Lee. And, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, yes. Um, those guys are great to work with and, and great friends. Um Man, I just feel like it's a laundry list, man. I, if I were to just like really th- sit here and think about it, I'd say like a hundred names in every category. But yeah, it, it's a family. It's a family that you 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 know you get raised into, and you, it, it's bigger than your own personal family. Like there's just so many people in different areas that you go to, you know, that you see and you befriend and you exchange ideas, time, spend time, spend a laugh or two. It's 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 yeah, amazing. I, I definitely try and raise up like all my guys who are trying streaming right now. Like I've always got their streams on in the background. I'm always trying to support them, but it's just like, it's honestly, yeah, too much. The Mm -hmm. FTC is like this all encompassing thing now. And, um, I appreciate everything that it's become and everything that it can grow into. And I just try and support in any ways that I can. And it just starts on the local level, but you know, anything that I can help with all the way to the the international level, I, I do. Awesome. And, um, like I said, I, I've always got it on. I always got. I'm always watching, but like I don't. I'm always like trying to work on my own stuff as well, and perfect the things on my end. So I'm never really like on streams, interacting with people, talking with people. And I, I just wanted to know that I'm still watching you guys, mm-hmm. even if I'm not verbal in your streams. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, one thing before we go, I want to touch on like. So I want to know. You know, whether, you know, we get through this current, like, social climate of struggle with COVID and everything going on and the world being upside down, um, what do you see yourself doing in the next couple of years in the FTC when given the opportunity to be back in a normal situation to execute your plans? Just getting my nose back to the grindstone and uh, just, I've been through so much as a community organizer already this is just another phase it's just mm-hmm. another cycle to recover from right you know you go up you come down you go up you come down it's just a cycle this is just another part of the cycle it's a unique and interesting like world that we're going to be coming out into right. but um 
I try and keep my community uh, active online as much as possible. We run online tournaments still. Um, I, I get that. They're all in our Discord. We all talk a lot. You know, we all just try and maintain, like, communication. And um, I'm just going to carry that to, to offline when whenever we get back to it. Nice. Nice. Just keep your head in the future, no matter what, I guess, gets in the way of it right now, right? Well, you just, like, 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 like you've I, always I had that. Dwelling in the past doesn't accomplish much, right? So right. it's just like you just got to move forward. This is the cards that you've been dealt. How are you going to move forward from it? That's always been my mentality. So nice. Um, any any last words? Any shout outs you want to give? Any people that that really just helped you on the way? I mean, I've mentioned everybody that that has definitely been a influential in, in my come up. You know, shout outs to. E, Russell, you guys, Andre Bufuteki, Zach and Walter from ECT, just my community, um, everybody that has like allowed me to be a part of their events and their communities and talk to their players and, and help them at, at any level that they require it. You know, I, I don't ever consider the work to be work. Like I enjoy helping you build what what your dreams are like and i i enjoy helping your community succeed because if your community succeeds the fgc succeeds as a whole so the more people we have in it the more voices we have in it the more scenes we have flourishing the better so i just um anybody who whom i work with i know it's a cop out to say everybody but it it, it really it's just too many people to name and i don't want anybody to feel like they were left out um, I, I, I'm really just not good at that uh, name dropping and publicity. That's fine. Stuff, right? I'm sure anyone that knows you knows somewhere you're mentioning them, and then I, I think that's fine. That's totally fine. And it's, they they know like right then and there, like if they have a question for me, like any time of day, any time of night, I drop what I'm doing and I help them. So I just want you to know that that's going to continue. So. <laughs> I love my, like, FGC is definitely a big part of my life, and if I were ever to not be a part of the FGC, I would have a whole lot more free time, and I don't know what I'd be doing with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, spam is right now with, your, with the social media. How can we reach you? Where, where, where can we find you? I've tried to change everything to Cha-Cha, mm -hmm. the number two, D-A-M-A-X, Cha-Cha to the max. Yeah. So that's my Twitter. That's my Twitch. Uh, that's my Facebook name. That's my Steam ID. That's my PlayStation ID. It's my Xbox Live ID. So that's that's where you could find me easiest. Um, I'm most active for my community on on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we do for the longest time. That's another thing. Is like I didn't I didn't embrace social media, right? So I don't have this huge social media presence. Uh, we only recently made a community account for Twitter. So Buffalo at Buffalo FGC. If you want to see what tournaments we still got running during this whole COVID madness. And uh, I just let the lease for my webpage expire. So there is no Buffalo FGC.com anymore. <laughs> Teardrops. Oh. But um, yeah, it's, it's crazy how online does that. Like uh, I let it expire and I was like, oh, I'll just renew it later. And then uh, GoDaddy came and parked on the domain and like $2,000 for your rights to your name back. I'm like, oh, well, I guess that website's gone forever. Oh, wow. Yeah, they, it's a horrible market when dealing with that. Stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, um, just uh, follow follow my community. I, I 
as much as I, I want to help you and talk with you as an FGC member or a person who's interested in the FGC, um, support my community. Uh, it's at Buffalo, uh, at Buffalo FGC on Twitter. Uh, it's Buffalo FGC Live on Twitch. That's our community stream, but I link to it through that Twitter account all the time. And um, please uh, keep an eye out on my social media for the fundraisers that will be coming up for Buffalo Game Space. Yeah, so uh, send that to me afterwards and so we can add that to this video, definitely. Yeah, so hopefully we can save our venue and we still have an offline venue to return to uh, yes. once, once games resume. All right, man. I thank you so much for your time and taking you away from your Tekken event that I know you're missing right now. So I'm really it's grateful all- for you. Uh, I can't personally wait to see you. You again saved soon. me the embarrassment of going on to you. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to have you talk to you, man. I will see you soon, man. Thank, well, thank, thank you, guys. guys. Yes. Thank you, guys, for tuning in. We will see you next time here in KKB Cast. Take care and have a good day. This has been a KPB MediaWorks production.